Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Oh Lord, I need Welcome to Finding Your Way on Spirit-Filled Radio with hosts Ralph Linsmeyer and Mark Prather. Ralph and Mark are successful business professionals, members of the Catholic CEO group Legatus, and generous donors to Catholic schools and charities. This show is dedicated to sharing the testimonies of those serving God in big and small ways and helping listeners walk in the footsteps of Christ. Here is your host to make introductions. Hello, this is Ralph Linsmeyer and Mark Prather on Spirit-Filled Radio. Welcome to our show, Finding Your Way. And now, let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of us, your faithful, and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Thank you, Ralph. We're excited today to have Dr. Paul Laraz. He is a clinical therapist at the Center for Individual and Family Therapy, where he provides holistic faith-based counseling. He's also a professor of psychology at Concordia University, Irvine, and holds a PhD in clinical psychology from Biola University. And you can also follow him on Instagram at Dr. Paul Laraz. Welcome, Paul. It's so great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So what we want to start with is a little bit, tell us a little bit about your faith journey. Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in an evangelical home. My mother was raised Catholic, and her whole family was Catholic. Um, But I wasn't raised personally Catholic. I went to um, Christian church growing up. I went to Christian school growing up. And I really um, fell in love with God. I started memorizing Psalms at a very young age. It was just something that I was very passionate about. I loved Psalm 23, especially. And the words of David have always meant um, a lot to me. And I think as I grew up as a young man, um, I grew up in a single parent family. So uh, my my dad wasn't around and uh, my mom was an incredible woman of faith. And through her Catholic upbringing and her family um, experience of faith, she really modeled what it meant to be a a person who relies on God for for their everyday life, Um, not only in just the, the good times, but especially in the bad times and the difficult times. So we, we went through some hard times. I mean, my mom worked um, as a single working mother to provide for me, and I was an only child. So there were definitely times where um, it was dark. It, it was difficult. And yet we always had our faith in God to, to bring us through. And as I grew up, I, I really felt the power of the Holy Spirit with me, but I didn't really know what that meant. I, I got a lot of teaching at Christian school about the Word of God, we read a lot, um, we understood the Bible and the Gospel, but it really didn't come alive to me until I was um, in high school, about the uh, the end of high school, my senior year, I had this personal experience with the Holy Spirit, and I was going to church, and I was just going through a personal time, difficult time, you know, whatever the, the troubles you have in high school, you know, uh, relationships or girls or, or whatever you have. And I was, I was really struggling and this pastor laid hands on me and he prayed over me and he asked for the Holy Spirit to, to come over me. And in that moment, I felt so much joy and so much peace that I had never felt in my life. There was maybe moments in my life where I'd felt joy, but I felt total peace, total surrender. And from that moment, 
I felt the power of the gospel really transform me. And I started to really invest in my spiritual practices and reading devotionals. And um, one in particular, Streams in the Desert by L.B. Komen, um, was a particular favorite of mine. It was given to me by my grandmother, who's a very strong Catholic, and she had this little red book of Streams in the Desert, and I would read that every day and start to understand more of God's promises for me. And as I got into college, um, I joined a a Christian fraternity, which um, to some people may sound like uh, kind of an oxymoron, like a Christian fraternity. Like, what what does that look like? But it was really a brotherhood of believers who supported each other in growing their spiritual life, living out the gospel, and um, being part of a, a community of service in, um, in Los Angeles. And so that was particularly transformational for me as well. When, when I was in high school, I, I had a lot of head knowledge, but I didn't really have a lot of heart knowledge. And as I got into college, I started to understand more what God wanted from my life, what he was calling me towards. There was truly a vocation and a purpose that I felt he had for me, that he was speaking into my life. Paul, that's so inspiring. By the way, in Matthew 5, 6, uh, Paul says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Mm-hmm. So, so interesting. Have you been hungering and thirsting for, for other people to see this light? Paul, how did that come alive in your life there, Paul? Yeah, that's a great question, Ralph. I definitely was always very passionate about living an authentic life and living a life that reflected the glory of God. And I think as I grew older, I realized I had a lot of gifts. I had a lot of passions that the Lord had blessed me. Even though I had a a difficult childhood, I was very blessed, very, very fortunate. And I wanted to share the joy and the peace I had found with others and when I was in college, I was thinking of becoming a lawyer. I actually was pre-law in college at USC and took all the classes that you needed, but studied a lot of history and philosophy because there's not one track to become a lawyer. You, you just have to do a, a lot of liberal arts and, and some dense readings. And so I'm taking these classes, and one day I take uh, a class with this professor and and his name on the registrar says D Willard and I don't know who D Willard is but he's teaching the um, the philosophy of religion and I'm thinking okay I'll take this class uh, apply to law school eventually and so I take this class with who it turns out to be Dallas Willard who's a very famous e- evangelical writer and philosopher and thinker and he was the president of the philosophy school at USC and he was my professor and mentor at USC while I was there and he expanded my world and showed that you could be an intellectual, you could really understand not only human wisdom, but biblical wisdom, and that they weren't contradictory. Actually, biblical wisdom really integrates very well with our understanding of the world and human psychology and faith. These things are not separate. They're actually very integrated and very intertwined. So once I started to understand that, there was this possibility, this hope that came alive in me, in my heart, where I thought, maybe I don't want to go to law school. Maybe the best natural use of my gifts is to answer this calling to become a psychologist, to help others on their journey of transformation and finding a a more purposeful life. And I think that was something that was really important to me. Paul, this addresses really the key question I wanted to talk to you about. So this is a perfect segue. It's secular psychology versus what you just talked about, right. which 
you know, we have, you know, the believers, the non-believers. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems to me that a lot of secular people go to a psychologist to replace faith. Mm-hmm. They, they, they know there's a void sure. and they're trying to fill that in. And, and so what I'd like you to, to, I guess, to help explain to me and our, mm-hmm. our audience about yeah. uh, what is the difference between, you know, a secular psychologist and what you're doing in mm-hmm. faith-based? Because obviously if you're a believer, you know, our whole foundation is, is faith. Right. Right. So help help me to better understand those differences. Yeah. Well, I think the difference might be is in secular psychology, we're looking at the mind or they're looking at the mind as a significant part, the mind and the body as separate from the soul, right? They may not even believe in a soul or a spirit. They may think that people have a culture of religion and faith, and that's intertwined into their socialization as they grew older, but they don't really see it as an integral part of the human experience. What I strive to do in my counseling and in my professional work and and through the counseling center that I work at, which is takes more of a faith-based approach and a more holistic approach, is not seeing a human person as individual parts, but these parts as a sum of a whole. So not only did God create our minds, but he also creates our bodies, but not just that, he also gave us a spirit and he also gave us a soul. And in all those parts, they actually work in tandem, right? And that's the human experience. And so to kind of devoid the mind and the body from the spirit and the soul gets you to a place of secular psychology, gets you to a place of seeing human experience, human behavior as just functions as just behaviors. And if you're sad, well, that's just a thought and nothing alone, right? If you're anxious, well, that's just an experience that you had and you just need to kind of get over that. And here's maybe some words or you just need to think differently. What a holistic or integrative approach to counseling is, is that I may not be telling my client Bible verses or saying that in the room, I still practice a very evidence-based approach. So it's still backed by research, still backed by science, which God created, but we're using the whole person and I'm using my whole self and I'm reflecting the love of God, the love of Christ to that person through my care, through my compassion, through my empathy and seeking to understand them, not just as these parts of their mind and, and their body, what that's doing, that's good information, but to also think about what really wounded them, what has been painful for them, where are there maybe strongholds in their life that they're not aware of, and bringing that to awareness, bringing a more, not only a self-awareness, but a, a spirit, a whole body awareness, right, can help them, I think, better understand their challenges and, and to overcome them. So, Paul, fascinating. Are you familiar with Merlin Carruthers? So he wrote a book. No, he wrote a no. book that sold 19 million copies, mm. by the way. It was called Prison to Praise. Wow. And the follow-on book was called Power and Praise. So I'm so curious. You know, you've dealt with so many people over the course of time, seen mm. cha- personal challenges right. and that sort of thing. But pr- the concept of prison to praise, being in prison, a bars, mm. a prison of circumstances, mm-hmm. how do you help people get out of that prison of circumstances? Or mm. Yeah, that's a fascinating question. And I think many times individuals can be in prisons of their own creation and also prisons that they grew up in 
maybe not a physical prison, but an emotional prison. Um, a lot of the work that I do is with trauma and trauma recovery. And I've been fortunate enough to learn from a lot of very wise, um, faith-filled mentors about the effects of traumatic experiences in childhood on our lives. And um, I think one of the things that can happen is that people believe, can tend to believe lies about themselves or about their worth that either someone else in their life, either a parent or a friend or a partner, spoke over them that really wounded them and kind of gets them stuck in a certain developmental stage, whether it was at 8 or 18 or 58. We're all carrying around wounds. We're all carrying around pain. All pain is the same. But some individuals have really felt neglected, wounded, unsafe, and they may have more difficult experiences. And I think that speaks to your question of when I sit with a client who's maybe gone through these more traumatic experiences, we all have depression, we all have anxiety, we all experience sadness and anxiousness and these things in our daily life. That's part of being a normal uh, individual. That's part of the human experience. But some clients I work with need a little more sensitivity, a little more care to really help them kind of transcend this emotional, mental, spiritual prison really means that I have to get down into the mud with them. I have to kind of not be afraid of what they're bringing into the room, so to speak, into the therapy room, but to really- I don't to, to interrupt just quickly. Yeah. Let's talk about first steps. Sure. When someone's in that circumstance mm-hmm. of difficulty, prison, whatever it may yeah. be, if they don't have a counselor like yourself, mm. what are the first steps a person could take? Yeah. No, that's a great question. I think the first step that I would suggest to anyone um, may not necessarily be a counselor, or maybe they can't afford that, but it could be uh, just seeking out more support and whatever that looks like for them. So for some, that is going counseling. For others, it's church support. It's a trusted friend. It's someone, maybe a mentor or somebody that they can really reach out to to be heard. I think most of my clients, whether they've experienced difficulty or just want to improve their lives, they just really want to be heard and they just want to be validated in what their experiences are. I think it's so powerful, you know, when Christ would just listen to somebody, when he would just acknowledge their presence, he would just acknowledge their pain. I think that was so powerful in in the gospels when people would just try to reach out and touch his garment and he would turn and he would say, your faith has made you well. And he saw them when other people, you know, Pharisees or their community rejected them. And so there's often individuals in our society that feel intensely rejected by their family, by friends, by others. And they're just looking for somebody to acknowledge. And and I think that's where faith-based counseling can be really helpful, counseling in general. But then also counseling is only one hour a day in their week right? They live the other 23 hours in their day and the rest of their life, you know, and they can't always have a counselor right next to them to encourage them. So they need further support. And I think that's where a life of faith really comes in. And that's where faith in God and and faith in the power of Christ to transform our hurts really can, can do miracles. Paul, this conversation about trauma and pain, Mm. To me, the first question that comes to my mind, if I'm, and, and I think most of us have experienced different levels of trauma, and and certainly everyone's ex- experienced pain. Yeah. But the first big question to me is, why me? Why do I need to suffer this pain? Mm. What is the purpose of this pain? 
Mm-hmm. How do you help people you know, that have been experienced a major trauma that it, it has caused great pain understand the why of that and mm. you know to be able to kind of grasp onto how do I how do I cope? Mm. I think often people want that answer. Why is there suffering in the world? Why is there pain? And, and, and Christ lays it out really clearly, right? You know, there will be many tribulations and there will be many trials, but don't be afraid I have overcome the world. And, but with maybe somebody who doesn't have that promise or doesn't have that faith, they may continue to ask, or, or they do have faith, they're continually asking, why, why me? Why, why did I suffer? In this way, why did I not have the the childhood that I needed? Why did this partner, you know, reject me? Oh, why does this family member continue to use drugs when they are clearly in in a bad place? And I think that faith can offer a support, but also having an understanding that brokenness and sin are part of our world, right? They're part of a a fallen state of of our our world, our society, and that sin can often be seen as uh, a part of our lives and unfortunately consequences of the fall of, of Adam and Eve. But if we also understand that we're all made in the image of God, that God has created us for a purpose, for good, and that we are broken people and we're trying to, to grow and heal, that the love of Christ supports us in that. And so there may not be a specific answer for why there is suffering, but I think the the answer that I could provide is, to a client rather, is I know it's difficult and I know it doesn't feel good, but suffering can produce perseverance, right? Um, no one likes to hear that answer, but that's kind of where we're at is that there's there's pain. So it's interesting, our, our dear friend Deacon Steve Greco wrote a book called Miracles Through Forgiveness. Interesting, isn't it? Miracles mm-hmm. are certainly possible. But how about in Thessalonians, where Paul tells us to rejoice always mm-hmm. and pray without ceasing mm-hmm. and give thanks in all things? People are experiencing mm-hmm. pain. Right. You, is one of the concepts that you develop is to, to rejoice even in that pain? Is that is that something that's possible? Or how do you approach that? Yeah, there's that's a, that's a great framework. And that's actually one that I use in my counseling is that okay, there's something that happens to you that's uncomfortable, that's displeasurable, and you can focus on it and it will only increase your pain. Or you can, can, can develop a flexibility with understanding what's happening to you. Notice how it's affecting you. It's bringing up emotions. It's bringing up painful memories. And we can you know, talk through what that means to you, how it's affecting you, and then guide you towards more acceptance of that. And I think acceptance is a really important piece. It's pervasive right now in the field of psychology, mindfulness and acceptance and meditation. And these are not necessarily bad things. I I wouldn't encourage anyone to be afraid of these things just because it's in secular psychology. These are actually tools that Christ himself used. Uh, Prayer is a form of meditation. And Christ and the, the apostles dealt with some really difficult things. And David himself dealt with really intense pain, you know, crying out to the Lord, God, have you forsaken me? They have experienced the whole spectrum of human emotion, but what they come to is an acceptance of the goodness of God, the acceptance of their faith in believing in the power of the Holy Spirit to help them through these these dark nights of the soul, right? And so 
when we accept reality as it is, then we're able to more deftly handle the challenges that come our way. And for some, that takes some time and counseling can support them in that. And for others, you know, their faith and their their church community can also be amazing supports. And I would encourage anyone um, who's seeking additional support to, to find that in, in trusted friends and, uh, and church community. Well, my favorite Bible verse is Matthew 9, 29. According to your faith, be it unto you, which is according to you, what you believe will come to pass. Mm-hmm. And the reason is my favorite verse is I've just, I see how all of us limit our lives because of false beliefs. Mm-hmm. Now, in your counseling with people, how often do you, you know, how do you, how do you, how often do you see that? How do you deal with people that they come in and they just, you know, it's like, I can't because of some right. belief. Right. All the time, every day. It's the crux of my work. I think that many people come in and they're, they're coming in because they're in a state of being in between. And I heard this described really beautifully the other day. Um, a lot of my work is done in the in-between. You know, there's, there's joy and there's hope and there's security, and then there's pain and hopelessness and fear. And a lot of people, when they come to counseling, are either in the, the pain, hopelessness, fear, or they're in the in-between, those, that pain and that joy. And what the in-between speaks to is this, I want to hope, but I don't think I can. I want to trust my partner, my friend, my loved one, I want to trust myself, and I don't know if I can. There's things in my life that happened to me. There's lies that I've believed over many, many years that have taken root in my heart and become a, a, a belief that makes me very afraid. And this, I see this in numerous ways in, all the time. And what I've learned over my time as, as a therapist and as um, someone who, who counsels others is that pushing a back against the belief and saying, well, you're wrong. You just need to have more faith or you just need to have um, more trust. And, and that's, that's a lie. And I can't believe you would actually think that. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? That's probably a voice that they've heard so many times from either themselves or somebody else in their life. And so another voice from me in that chorus of voices in their life is not helpful. And so I don't push back. But I ask, instead of what, what's wrong with you, I ask, what happened to you? And we can start to unpack what happened to you. Notice these lies, kind of put a little pin in them to come back to, and we come back around. And I think through the relationship that we build in, in counseling, in therapy, and understanding that we have a good God who uses everything to his glory, Right, even in transforming us from broken vessels into more holy people, that that we can start to really unpack and undo that tangled knot of lies that somebody has believed over the course of their life. But it takes time, and it takes compassion, and it takes not not belittling somebody for the pain that they're in, but really helping them understand what their pain is is doing in their life. And seeing how maybe they want to make a different choice. Are you ready to help us with a prayer? Yes, I'd love to. Let's do that. And um, I brought a special prayer for us today that I thought would be um, wonderful to close with. So I'll lead us together. Yeah. Uh, Dear Father, we just thank you for all the human experience that you've created us for. 
Um, we know that you've created us in your image, Lord, to reflect your glory. And often we struggle in life, Lord. There's so many things that have our attention or so many lies that we've believed in. And we know that your son came to transcend all of that, to provide a different way, to show us how to love you better and to show us how to love others better and ultimately love ourselves better. And you showed us that love first and we're grateful, Lord. So Father, also help us to live this day to the full, being true to you in every way. Jesus, help me to give myself away to others, being kind to everyone I meet. Spirit, help me to love the lost and proclaim Christ in all I do and say. So Lord, we just pray that prayer over all of us today, and we thank you for your son and your goodness. We love you. Amen. Thank you, Paul. What a powerful message, and thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was wonderful. Thank you, Paul. It's really an inspiration. Great. You've been listening to Finding Your Way with hosts Ralph Linsmeyer and Mark Prather. For more, go to spiritfilledmedia.org. That's spiritfilledmedia.org. In closing, we share this word from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. To this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. Take care, friend. This is Bishop Tim Fryer from the Diocese of Orange, and you're listening to Spirit-Filled Radio. Time for a Spirit-Filled Reflection with a brief a cappella musical interlude from recording artist Donna Lee. Jesus, friend of a lonely heart, you are my haven, you are my salvation. You are the bright ray that lights up the path of my life. You bring comfort and healing. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in the ocean of your mercy. From the fountain of your mercy flows all. Divine mercy in my soul. For more great content, come find us at Spirit Filled Radio. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit Filled Hearts Ministry with a one time or monthly gift. Spirit Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.